I'm pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, today, part three of Scourge. Arr! Whenever I talk about Scourge, I want to talk like a pirate. Because it's a pirate word. Anyway, um, the last two podcasts, I've been talking all about Scourge, the third set in the Onslaught block. Um, so there was Onslaught, there was Legions, and then there was Scourge. So, as I explained previously, Scourge was marketed as the dragon set, without particularly really being a dragon set. Um, and last we got up to F, so we are going to talk, uh, starting with F. So the first card today is Final Punishment. So Final Punishment is a black sorcery, costs 5 mana, 3 black black. It says target player loses life equal to the damage dealt this turn. Um, it's interesting. It's a... One of the things that's fun for designers to do is figure out ways to sort of mimic effects in ways that are flavorfully match how you can do things. So um, Brian and his team, uh, Brian Tinsman was lead designer, um, and his team was him in Worth Warport. Uh, so this card is kind of like double the damage. It's not exactly double the damage because it only doubles damage to the player. Um, but it's a way in black to kind of double damage that's a little bit different. Kind of like, well, once you've damaged them, you know, I make you lose life equal to how much I've lost. So, <laughs> it's, it's, it's different, like I said. I, I like the fact that it's similar, but not exactly the same. That's what I like to do in colors. Is, I like them to have effects that are, that play in slightly different space, so when you play them, they're not exactly the same. And this is a good example where it's similar to double the damage, but it's not quite. It's a little bit different. Next, Forgotten Ancient. Three and a green... Uh, for a 0-3 elemental, whenever any player plays a spell, you may put a plus one, plus one counter on Fallen Ancient, Forgotten Ancient, and beginning of your upkeep, you may move any plus one, plus one counters on it to creatures you control. So this card uh, is famous for being the very first you make the card. Um, back, uh, this is early on the website, uh, I came up with an idea that I thought would be fun. One of the things when we started the website is we wanted to have it be as interactive as possible, that we wanted the people reading it to feel like they were participating directly in magic, that they were involved, and that we wanted that to be a two-way thing, not just we were telling you information about how a game was made, but we wanted actual opportunities where the players could have some influence. Um, and so I came up with the idea of you make the card. And so I had it run by R&D, and I got permission, and I said that I would, you know oversee it and make sure that everything, you know, worked and that it was doing what it needed to do um, so that it would work in the set and that I, I set up a schedule so development would have time to play with it and everything would be hunky-dory. Um, so anyway, the card was made and the way it worked is, for those who have never done You Make the Card, we, we actually just started it up recently or this year or last year. Um, the way it works is the audience gets to vote on something uh, and little by little as they vote, the card slowly takes form. I think in this particular case, I think we started by having the audience choose a color. They chose green. Then they chose a card type. They chose creature. Then, I forget what was next. But anyway, eventually they pieced it all together. Uh, they chose which artist was going to illustrate it. And they chose the sketch the artist was going to use. And they chose how big it was going to be and what the ability was going to be. And the abilities were all sent in by people. Um, so, like, you know... And the flavor text and the name, every single thing was sent in. Now, this card's playtest name, named by the person who uh, did the, the mechanic, whose mechanic we chose, was Mr. Baby Cakes. So I still refer to him as Mr. Baby Cakes, because that's, that's an awesome playtest name. Um, so Forgotten Ancient, the interesting thing about Forgotten Ancient was 
Um, we gave them three, the, you know, you guys, three choices on what to do. So we, I went to development, and they gave a power, toughness, um, mana combo. You could pay this much mana and be this big. So one of the options, I think, was a 1G11 as opposed to a 3G03. Um, and development told me that that was the more powerful version. Um, purely like, you know, which card is just stronger. Uh, but the public chose the 0-3 because Shock was the big spell at the time for the, you know, the red kill spell. And they, were really, they didn't want it to die to Shock. Uh, and as a 1-1, one, one, if you played it, they could just Shock and kill it. But as a 0-3, they couldn't. Um, and so the audience chose 0-3, even though... It's funny, I don't know whether the audience just liked the 0-3 better, thought it was the most powerful version, I don't know. But uh, um, development thought they were going to pick the most powerful version, which is the 1-1, one, but they didn't. Um, and uh, I know development playtested it, and the current version was fine. I don't think we had... Did we have to change anything? We might have tweaked it. It's possible we tweaked the cost right near the end. I know development played it, and then we got some notes, and we, we made a, one or two small changes. And we let the audience vote on what the changes were. Okay, next. Form of the Dragon. Costs seven mana. Four, red, red, red. It's an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you deal five damage to target creature or player... At the end of the turn, your life drops to five, and creatures without flying can't attack you. You have become a dragon! So when I talk about top-down cards, you know, uh, vor- vor- cards for Vorthos, cards are which dripping with flavor, uh, this is the example. Uh, and this is probably Brian's best design. This is, like, I think if you ask Brian, the best thing he ever designed in his time at Wizards, this might be it. This is a thing that's quite, quite beautiful. Um, I would later make fun of it in Unhinged with Form of the Squirrel. Um, now, this card is a li- it's interesting. Um, so one of the abilities of the card, so obviously it does five damage every turn. It breathes, you breathe fire and you can do damage whatever. Red does that just fine. It drops your life total down to five. Yeah, Red will do stuff like that. It'll uh, make you take, you know, have, have, get, get some gain at some loss. Red will do that. The last one, though, can't be attacked except by flying creatures. You might know that as Moat. Moat is a white card. It is not a red card. Um, and so one of the big debates on this card is this ability isn't red. This is a white ability. Um, so at the time, what we said is, look, the card is going for this overall effect. The overall effect is you are a dragon. It's important that you are a dragon that you're flying because we make dragons fly. Okay, we're going to make you the player fly. Um, and we decided, you know, one of the things that's important to realize is... One second. Sorry, I had a, my mirror was bent. Um, one of the things we realized was that sometimes you can bend the color by a little bit um, when o- the overall flavor is so strong. Like, while the, that ability in a vacuum is not red, the ability as a whole is very red. Turning yourself into a dragon is very red. It definitely has a risky quality to it. It definitely has... It, the card elu- uh, evokes a very sense of red. And so we let it go. Um, it is careful. You have to be very careful where and how you bend the color pie. You don't want to break it. Um, the big thing here is it is not like red is supposed to be particularly vulnerable to ground creatures and somehow give this ability, lets red undo some inherent weakness built into the color. So when you are messing with the color pie, it's important that you don't undo uh, what the colors are supposed to not be able to do. Uh, and this is not that. It's not like red doesn't have means by which to protect on the ground. So we felt that it was okay. 
Next, another really top-down flavorful card by Brian Tinsman. Frozen Solid. One blue-blue enchant creature. Enchanted creature doesn't untap. If you dealt damage to the creature, destroy it. Uh, the idea is the thing is frozen solid, and if you manage to do any damage to it, it shatters it. Um, uh, this is another one. This is the one where I, I... The last one from the dragon didn't cross the line, and this one crossed the line a little bit for me. Blue is not supposed to be able to destroy creatures. It can steal creatures. It can transform them into other things. It can um, tap them down. It can keep them from untapping. It can do a lot of different things where it, it manipulates them, but it's not supposed to destroy them. Uh, and so this one, this is where it crosses the line. I think from the dragon, okay, you're bending color pie, but it's not doing something fundamentally that the color isn't supposed to do. Where this one, eh, this is supposed to be a weakness of blue. Blue's not supposed to be able to just destroy things. Um, and so I find this one, to my mind, crosses a little over where I'm, I, I, I'm unhappy. I do love the flavor of it. Um, and the note is, by the way, whenever a monocolor card, like, this flavor is so awesome, and shouldn't it be blue? Wouldn't blue freeze things? Well, the answer is, okay, just make it blue in another color that would make sense with this. Um, you know, blue-black makes a lot of sense. Even blue-red probably would make sense. Um, it's it just, the thing is, not everything can go in monocolor. Just because you come up with an awesome idea that's a flavorful thing doesn't necessarily mean it goes in monocolor. And one of the things I always stress, I talk about this in my blog all the time, is... The, color, the separation of the color pie is crucial to the health of the game. Every time we nibble away at it, if we're not careful how we nibble, um, we have it, we, you know, one day you just nibble too far and things break, and you don't want to get to that place because it's so important. So, anyway, my talk on the color pie. Next, Goblin Psychopath. 3R for a 5-5 Goblin Mutant. When it attacks or blocks, you flip a coin. If you lose the flip, you deal damage to you instead of whatever you would deal damage to, creature or player. Um, that's another example of back in the day we used to do uh, the way we would embrace red chaos is who knows what's going to happen it's chaotic and the problem we tended to run into is people just didn't want to play the cards because you didn't know what was going to happen um, and what we've since learned is you can have things that feel chaotic without it being like you the player have absolutely no idea what's going to happen you know, you can do things where bad things can happen, but you don't know which bad thing will happen. Or, you know, you can do things where you, the player, want to play the card, not like, play the card, maybe it'll be good for you, maybe it'll burn you. That that, in general, you have to be very careful that it's not great magic. A little bit of it's fun, and there are definitely cards that are flavorful. I mean, I don't, I don't particularly mind Goblin Psychopath all that much in that the kind of person who's going to play this probably isn't trying to play a top-tier deck, um, but... We have to be careful how many of these cards we do. And I, I, we've learned that we can do a lot of the feel of chaos without quite being completely, you know, you don't have to be random to feel chaotic. Next, Goblin War Strike. It's a sorcery for a single red mana. Uh, you deal damage to target player equal to the goblins you control. So this is a pretty potent little spell because, um, for example, Lava Axe costs five mana to do five damage to the opponent. Um, no, Lava Axe is not exactly a tournament staple, but it is not, it's played all the time in Limited, and, you know, it's not crazy. So the idea that in a Goblin deck we're having five Goblins just really isn't that hard. Instead of five mana, it costs one. So this is one of the reasons that, uh, when Onslaught was out, it really, really pushed Goblin and Elf decks, and this is one of the examples of the kind of things where we push Goblins, which is, we made a lot of cards that made it very easy to do things very cheaply, um, with Goblins. By the way, since I'm in G, we're going to talk about some more Goblin cards. 
Goblin Warchief. So one red red, three mana for a 2-2 Goblin. Your Goblin spells cost one less, and Goblins control have haste. Well, isn't that convenient? Goblins want to be aggressive, and they got haste. So th- this is one of the things where we try to make each of the Warchiefs sort of do what its deck wanted to do. And red is all about swarming you with lots of Goblins. Well, giving them haste works really well. Um, it also makes them cost one cheaper. So, you know, you get this out on the third turn, and all of a sudden, you're just being swarmed by lots and lots of goblins. The other thing that's neat about costing one less is, on turn four, for example, um, you could play multiple two-drop goblins because, normally on turn four, you could play two two-drop goblins because it's cost four mana. But with this out, you can play four because, you know, one of the things that this works really well at is... If you have one big creature, okay, it's one less. But you have lots of little creatures, which goblins tend to do. This works even better. And Goblin Warchief is very, very good. Grip of Chaos. So this is an enchantment. costs six, six mana, four colors, two red. So four red, red. Spells or abilities with one target, target randomly. So this was a top-down card uh, made by Brian called Blindness. Uh, and I know Brian was kind of bummed that they didn't keep... T- Brian really, really liked the top-down flavor of I make you blind, and now you don't know what you're doing when you cast spells. Um, but uh, I don't know. He, he did not... He was, he was bummed, because I think he made... Sometimes you make a top-down card, like, oh, this nails the top-down thing, and then creative will change the flavor. You're like, why wouldn't you keep my flavor? Why couldn't it just be blindness? Um, so anyway, Grip of Chaos, I know, is a fun card. Um, there is a guy who works on the Pro Tour who's uh, one of the big scorekeepers named... Um, named Nick. And Nick uh, loves crazy, random, rare red enchantments. And so whenever we make them, we always joke about them being Nick cards. And this is a Nick card that uh, it just uh, you play it and who knows what crazy things are going to happen. Okay, next. Hindering Touch. Three and a blue, so four mana instant. Counter target spell. Uh, uh, counter target spell, unless it's controller, pays two. Storm. So, um... This is one of the Storm cards that didn't break. Uh, it definitely, it's reactive. What we learned is proactive. If I do this infinite number of times, I win. The game cards are a problem. Cards that are reactive are much better. Um, this card, actually, of Storm cards, is the one more interesting because if you get into um, Counter Wars, it's a very good final card for the Counter War because, remember, when you cast a Storm, each spell is separate. So it's like we're fighting over it, so I've cast a couple spells fighting over it. Then I cast this spell, and it's like... Oh boy, you know, you got to pay a whole bunch to stop your, to get your spell, and you can't cu- directly counter because there's so many copies. Okay, next. Corona False God. One, white, blue, black, red, green. Uh, it's a legendary creature. Uh, oh, the time was just a legend. Five, five. It has haste. At the beginning of your upkeep, player, uh, the player whose turn it is gains control of it. And whenever you attack with it, creature, a creature of the type of your choosing get plus three, plus three until end of turn. So this is so Brian was obsessed with the idea of a creature that nobody controlled. He would bring it up all the time, and Corona was a major, major player in this set. You know, uh, Phage and Acroma came together um, to make Corona the false god, and so Brian wanted to do something that just was out-of-the-box crazy. You've never seen it before. The problem was, while it was out-of-the-box, it's not particularly fun. It's like, so why exactly... So it costs six mana, one of each color, and a colorless. So that's hard to do. It's hard to do. 
Okay, I finally do that. I get to the I get all my colored mana out. I'm able to cast a spell. What happens? Oh, well, on your opponent's turn, your opponent beats your face in with it. Now, it has haste, so you get to use it first, luckily. Um, but it just, it's just too expensive and too much to do for something where, you know, especially in a, in a two-player game, it's bad. In a multiplayer game, it's horrible. Um, you know, for example, this is Legendary. You can play this as your commander. It's a five-color commander. I don't know a lot of people who play Corona as their commander, only because... Uh, do I want every turn to have a player take the card? I mean, unless you're really into some weird political stuff, it's, it's, it is dangerous. Um, and the funny thing is, Phage and, um, and Chroma were really, really popular cards. The two most popular cards in Legions. And Corona was not a popular card. It just went in the space that people didn't want to go. Um, and one of the things about Brian that, I mean, the thing I like a lot about him as a designer, he, is he, he likes to push boundaries. Um, the biggest negative is he sometimes pushed boundaries to push them. Um, and I, the, my, my, the big quote that I always said to Brian that I've got quoted for is, um, before you look outside of the box, first look inside the box. That Brian had a tendency to do things to do them because we'd never done them, but he didn't necessarily... And this is a good example of... It was two different cards that got morphed together. What I would have tried to do is say, okay, what's the cool thing about uh, Chroma? What's the cool thing about Phage? Can we somehow make something that brings together all that, the coolness of the two cards to feel like it was a merged version of the card? Um, and instead, Brian just did something he had always wanted to do that's way really out there, and it didn't really go over well. Um, now, that said, I'm sure there's some Corona fans out there. It's the most awesome card. Why are you dissing this card? But it tested very, very badly when we, in our Godbook study. And this was supposed to be, like, this was supposed to be the card you wanted everybody to want. You know, story-wise, we want to make sure that the key story characters are desirable cards. And this card did not do very well. I'm not saying there's no Corona lovers out there, but it did not do very well. Okay, next, Croson Drover. Three and a green for a 2-2 elf. Creatures with converted mana cost of six or more cost two less. So this is a war chief that wasn't called a war chief. Um, and it helps you cast giant creatures, but it helps you cast them uh, for two less rather than one less because they're big in the first place. Um, it's definitely one of those things that's a little confusing because um, it seems, I mean, usually if a card says you can do something, you assume you can do it. Um, but I know some players got a little bit confused because I have something that costs six, but then it costs two less. Does it still cost six? Now, obviously, we wouldn't make the card if it didn't work. Um, but I know there's people that sort of got caught up in the loop of like, wait a minute, now it costs four, now it can't be played. But if it can't be four, then it costs six, so now it can't, you know, and uh, it just got caught in the, the logic loop. Um, and anyway, I, I'm not sure if the War Chief effect was the best one for giant, other ways to help giant creatures. I mean, obviously the set did in many, many other ways. Next, Kurgadon. Four green for a 3-3 three, three beast. When you play a creature or six converted mana costs or more, put a three plus one multiple counters on it. Well, this one is a, is a pretty neat way. So it's a five mana thing, so it comes out right before you can play a six mana thing. Uh, it's a 3-3 three, three for 5 mana, not particularly good, but a 6-6 six, six for 5 mana is really good. A 9-9 nine, nine for 6 mana, for 5 mana, is very, very good. And a 12 and up is just awesome. Um, so the idea essentially is, I get this out, I play a big thing, now I have two big things. If I play yet another big thing, I have even a bigger thing. Um, anyway, this was a fun, and th this was a reward that didn't confuse people like the last one did a little bit. Next, Lethal Vapors. Two black black enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, destroy it. For zero, colon, uh, destroy card name, skip your next turn. Any player can use this ability. 
Okay. I, br I brought this card up because I dislike this card. Um, I like a lot of stuff. There's awesome, awesome, amazing things in the set. You got Form of the Dragon and all sorts of really cool stuff. Brian and Work did an awesome job. That said, this is my podcast, so I can complain about cards. I complain if I want to. Okay. Uh, here's my friend with Lethal Vapors. A couple things. Number one, um, this is a... I'm going to play a card, and it's going to suck, and anybody can make bad things happen to themselves and make it not suck. It's just, I do not like cards that, like, there's bad times and more bad times, and, you know, it's like, are you going to pull the switch? And if you don't pull the switch, then no one can play creatures, and we'll sit around and wait for someone to go, oh, I got to do it. Like, I don't like cards that make you not play the game, and this is one of them. When you put this card out, it's sort of like, okay, we're going to play a game Uncle. Who's, who's going to, you know, say Uncle first? Um... Next, I'm not a big fan of activations of yours that other people can activate. Um, it is confusing. It's sitting on the... Like, I like the idea that I have to monitor your, your side of the battlefield to note things, but me having to be aware of what I can and can't activate on your side, I do not like. I find it confusing. I find it leads to games in which the opponent is... Like, you're not obligated to tell your opponent that you have things that they can use. So... If the game has things that you can use, especially in a, in a competitive tournament, it's like, I now have to be very careful to read every card and make sure I understand, you know, and not that you shouldn't read every card in tournaments because you should, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan. This also has zero colon that we've shifted away from because it's like, don't pay anything and do something, and it's just confusing. Um, so we, we now tend to make there be some cost before the colon just so it's less like, huh, zero colon, what does that mean? What does it mean? If anybody pays nothing, then what? You know, you paid nothing, skip your turn. Like, I didn't pay anything. Right, exactly, skip your turn. So, anyway, I'm not a fan of Lethal Vapors. Uh, anyway. Next, Lingering Death. I am a fan of Lingering Death. Lingering Death was an enchant creature. Uh, once again, uh, enchantment auras at the time were enchant creatures, or enchant whatever they enchanted. Uh, one in a black, two mana. Controller of enchanted creature sacrifices enchanted creature at the end of the next turn. So this was a kill spell, but a slow kill spell. That on my turn, because it's uh, enchantment, I put it on your creature, and then you know at the end of your turn it's going to die. But you have that knowledge for your entire turn. Do I want to attack with it? Do I want to sacrifice it? Like, I have a little bit of knowledge of what's going to happen. And I think that was kind of cool. Um, it also did some neat things in Limited. You know, it definitely was a kill spell that was useful, but a little bit different, and it gave the person using on it some options of, of how they wanted to use their creature. Next, long-term plans. Uh, Tuna Blue, instant. You go through your library and get a card, and then you put it third from the top. Okay, this is not, this one reeks Bryanton's, but I don't 100% know it's Brian's, but it really feels like Brian. It's a top-down card. It does something weird and quirky. feels like Brian. Um, so the idea is I get something, but I don't get it right away. And this might be the first card that had you put a card so many down. I mean, maybe it's not, but it's, it's one of the early ones, if not the first one. Um, and this was definitely fun. It, it allowed you to tutor... Uh, that you were paying for time as much as mana, which I thought was cool. Um, also, by the way, I should point out that um, that uh, Brian was the same person who's, not this team, but uh, Sages of Kamigawa would come up with Suspend. We pushed it off and saved it for Time Spiral, but Brian's team was the one that came up with it. So you kind of can see, and this is why I also think this might be Brian's card, is that the, the earliest inklings of Suspend is hidden in this card. That, that the same mind that brought this card would later come up with Suspend, which is Brian. That's why I'm pretty sure it's Brian's card. Mind's Desire, four blue-blue for sorcery. You shuffle your library, exile the top card of it, and then you get to play that card for free. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the end of turn or whenever. 
Uh, this card is Storm. Uh, this is a very popular kill spell because if you have some weird and wacky combo kill, this allows you to essentially um, set yourself up and then you, you Storm and kill them with style, however you want to kill them with Mind's Desire. Um, once you can cast all the cards in your library, usually you can kill people. Next, uh, and by the way, uh, Mind's Desire is a very, very good card in almost any format that can play it just because it's really powerful. It's one of the more powerful Storm cards. Um, surprise, surprise, one of the most broken mechanics of all time, along with playing things for free, when you combine them, it's broken. Mis mischievous Canar. Four blue for three, three beast. For two blue, blue, you can turn it face down. And then for one blue, blue, you can morph it. And when you turn it face up, you, um, you fork. You copy an instant or sorcery. Um, and so this is another shenanigan, uh, mess with morph kind of card. Um, the first time you do it, you got to surprise them. But the idea about this card normally is a lot of the things you're copying are not your opponent's spells, but your own spells. And that this definitely, this allows you to make a morph deck that is a lot of shenanigans. It's a shenanigan-inducing card. It's a shenanigan enabler. That should be a new kind of card. A shenanigan enabler. This is, this is definitely a shenanigan enabler. <laughs> Next, Misform Warchief. Uh, the Warchiefs, Brian just went out with the Warchiefs and had fun. Um, so this one is an illusion, a 1-3 illusion. Uh, it costs two and a blue, three mana, and creatures sharing a creature type with it costs one less. And hey, you can tap it to make it whatever creature type you want. Um, so essentially what this card is, is it makes things cheaper, but you could from turn to turn can shift it. Um, I know in limited this card was fun because this card could essentially make whatever you needed to make shifter. It made, it made any creature card in your hand, well, almost any creature card, we'll get to that, um, cheaper. And so... Um, in Constructed, obviously, you could, in the deck of the blue, it's a Warchief that you could use to on maybe creature types that didn't have a Warchief, or in something like Limited, where you have a bunch of different creature types, you can make all your creature types cost one less. I mean, not in the same turn, obviously. Next, Nefashu, 4BB for 5-3 Zombie Mutant. Um, when um, Zombie Mutant. That sounds like a made-for-TV movie. Um, okay, when this card name attacks, up to five creatures get minus one, minus one until end of turn. So this thing just attacks, and it is hard to block it, because it, it just kills. I mean, it, it can do minus one, minus one to any creatures, not necessarily up, uh, but, and it's up to five different creatures, so it'll, it kills, it's really, really good at killing lots of little things. Not as good at killing a big thing. Uh, once again, the theme of the set is rewarding you for playing big things, and so uh, Brian made a very powerful weapon against small things, but very weak against big things. Okay, next, Parallel Thoughts. Three blue, blue enchantment. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you search your library, get seven cards, you then exile them and shuffle them, and then whenever you would draw from your library, you can instead draw from this exiled pile. Sort of an extra library, if you will. Um, this, is a, this is the kind of effect we've goofed around a lot. I know Doomsday messed in this area. That, that The idea of sort of culling some subset of your deck and then having some access to that is something we mess around with, um, and we messed around with it here. Okay, next, Pemmin's Aura. One blue, blue for an enchanted creature. That for blue, you can untap enchanted creature. For another blue, for a different activation, for blue, you can gain flying till end of turn. For a different activation, you can make it untargetable for the turn. And then for one mana, you can give it plus one, minus one, or minus one, plus one till end of turn. So this card is Make Me a Morphling, that you put it on your creature. To, uh, it's an, an aura that grants your creature all of Morphling's ability. In fact, Pemmin's aura can be anagrammed to I am Superman. Superman is the nickname for Morphling. Um, so this was definitely uh, uh, created as Make Me a Morphling, and then um, it had a name to sort of make a nod that we were aware of that's what it was doing. Um, but anyway, uh, 
I'm not sure why this is here other than entertainment value. I guess it could have gone anywhere. Um, okay, next. Primitive etchings. Two green green enchantment. Reveal the first card drawn each turn. If it's a creature card, you get to draw a card. So one of the things we talk about is how green is uh, green and black are both number two sort of tied in card drawing. Black always does it at a cost, usually life. Green just has to be tied to its creatures. Um, the idea is that green card drawing, in green it's all about growth. And so you want to get access to growth, we'll have a lot of creatures around. And so this is definitely one of those cards to say, oh, well, play a deck of mostly creatures. Uh, in fact, probably all creatures but this card, or four copies of this card. Um, and then you get to draw a lot of cards. Okay, next. I talked about how when you played um, the Illusion Warchief, the, um, War, the Misform Warchief, how you can make any card cheaper, but not this card. So the next card is Proteus Machine. So Proteus Machine was an artifact creature for three. It was a 2-2. It had no creature type. Um, at one point, early on, um, artifact creatures didn't have to have a creature type, and some early magic didn't. Um, and it caused problems. This is a good example where you know, people would want to do something, they have to name a creature type, and it didn't have a creature type. Um, and I think maybe it was trying, trying to make fun of like a morph, face on morph creatures. But anyway, uh, it had no type, so you couldn't, for example, help it with a Misform Warchief. But anyway, it's a 2-2 for zero, morphing for zero, um, you could name a creature type, it wouldn't gain that creature type. So really what happened was, it was a 2-2 creature, a 2-2 colorless creature, that for zero, you could grant it a creature type for the rest of the game. Um, and uh, that was valuable. A lot of people would play this card because having a morph card was fine. And just having the thing that you need to count so that you can have one extra, whatever you're counting, proved to be pretty good. So um, anyway, this was, a, this was a cute little card. I would have given it a creature type, but uh, other than that. Okay, so we're almost done with peas. I'm going to finish peas. I actually, I just parked, but we're going to finish peas. And then tomorrow we'll start with ours. Okay, Putrid Raptor. Four black black for a 4-4 four, four zombie beast. For, to morph it, you discard a zombie card. So one of the things you'll see, we'll start, I'll start talking about, for some reason these all get the end part of the alphabet, is Brian and his team played around with morph costs that weren't mana. So an example here, here's something where you have to have a zombie card. Now zombie cards were all black in this set, so you had to discard a black card. That's how you could make sure that you were playing a black card. Um, but, hey, you could get a 4-4 beast, you know, 3 mana, 2-2, two, two, and then at the cost of a card, a black card, zombie in particular, um, you could get a 4-4 creature. Last card for today, Pyrostatic Pillar. It's an enchantment for one and a red, two mana. Whenever any player casts a converted mana cost spell, a spell that costs a converted mana cost three or less, a card name deals two damage to that player. So one of the ways to get people to play big spells is say, don't play small spells. No, no, no. Um, this actually ended up being a pretty good sideboard card that you could play against certain style decks, certain weenie decks, for example, against white weenie or what they call Sly, which was a low-end red, or goblins were kind of a Sly deck, um, that was really, really good against a deck that just pulled out lots of tiny things. Um, and so it was used as a sideboard card. Um, but anyway, I've got, so we've gotten up to R. So tomorrow, okay, tomorrow, I can see tomorrow we have, I have, I think, I think we have one more podcast on Scourge. So anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, having, I'm having a fun time talking about Scourge. But... It looks like, at least for a few minutes now, I've been parked in, in, in the parking space, which we all know what that means. It's time to end my drive to work, because it's time for me to be making magic. I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.